This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. The, to continue the series, No Fear Here, um, so that's essentially talking about how we do not accommodate you know, the spirit of fear. Michael did a good job the last time um, talking about this topic. But um, just to begin, you know, what exactly is fear? I will really go into like a very thorough definition. I've heard different things. I remember back then in school, someone had coined the term, it said false evidence appearing real, like with the, just a play on the letters, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real, almost like, um, you know, you are saying things, but they are, not re- they are not real, you know. Well, that's, that's, I think that's a, a fair way to describe it, but I'm not really going that far. But all I know is that we live in a time when things are becoming increasingly uncertain, you know, perilous. You know, our fear is a reality that all of us naturally will face or are faced at one point or the other in our lives. Amen. You know, so fear, what is fear? Fear is Basically, fear is an emotion, is a spirit, is all of that. But it's, you know, I just wanted to start by saying that it's a, it's a normal thing. It's a, it, I won't say normal, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a biological response, you know, to any living thing. Not even only human beings, even animals. You know, fear is a completely normal biological response. You know, if you listen to biologists, for example, they'll tell you that. Fear is tied to survival, you know. That's why if you go hunting and you make you shoot a gun, all the deer just run away, you know, because there's an adrenaline surge and they try to escape from whatever that sound is. You know, if they were dumb and they, they didn't have that fear, they would, they would just most likely be shot. You know, so if there's a herd, it's surely the one that was shot that they didn't have time, you'll knock you one that falls, the others, you know, scamper to safety. So fear is a is a is a normal biological response it's tied to survival even for us as human beings it's something that it comes naturally to us amen um we don't have to um create this um, the emotion of fear we just experience it you know i remember as kids as little kids when (laughs) maybe you know growing up in nigeria you know they have like real very strong rains tropical thunderstorms and there's a thunderstorm and you just run behind the curtain because it's very loud. You know, you see lightning, you go and hold your daddy's leg or you just, you know, run under the dining table or something. You know, no one really has to teach you to do that. It's just a, it's just in a response, you know. So that's his fear, you know. And I was, I'm going to say also in addition that if you live on this earth as a normal human being, you will most likely be fearful, you know. You will most likely be fearful if you live in this world. In fact, in some, in some, in some ways, you should be anxious. You know, you should be suspicious. Why? Because the world is a scary place. Amen. It's a scary place. All right. For example, you read a lot of news coming from like Nigeria, for example, and most times the news just tends to be a certain way, or maybe it's the way it's been delivered or something. There's usually one calamity after the other, you know, 
I read, I read recently, maybe yesterday or something, about how about like a dam bursts. Maybe all these Cameroon dams and one major rice producer, you know, I think the dam flooded all this rice and people are saying most likely rice will become expensive, even much further than much more than it is right now, things like that. So you just read some of this and you're like, whoa, this, this world is a really harsh place, you know. Uh, you know, even if you're not in Nigeria, if you're in some other places, I'm on some neighborhood forums, you hear about, oh, there's this suspicious looking person around, or there's, there's a, there may be a serial killer on the loose, or there's this, this and that, you know, makes you feel like this world is just scary, praise the Lord, you know, and even if you want to go much more global, you know, there are just so many evidences to show that the world is wild as it is. You know, there's a global recession going on. Most of the currencies are losing value right now as we speak. You know, people are being laid off in numbers, you know. So there's a lot of fear and there's good reason. There's reason for that, naturally speaking. You know, if you look further, you hear about if you, you know, are politically inclined, you may have heard about the war between Ukraine and Russia, you know, and if you're a student of international politics, you may, you may, be seeing some signs that oh, there's some slightly higher threat of nuclear war that this person is saying. So just a few comments from you know the international community and and things like that. You know, making you feel like okay, the the atmosphere is a bit more tense than maybe six years ago, seven years ago, something like that. All right, you know. So there's just a lot. You know, you also hear about another faction. You know, talking about climate change. That the world is, you know, on the verge of doom. The um, sea levels are rising. This and that. That your children are this. In fact, right now, there's there's a great number of people who believe that we shouldn't have children anymore. That's irresponsible to have a child because a child is so-called adding another carbon footprint to the earth. You understand? It's, it's increasing global warming. You know why? It's coming out of fear. And as an extension of that, you hear people who say stuff like, oh, they're not going to have kids, they're not going to have children, they're not going to bring children into this world that's going to end soon anyway, or this world where things are so evil, you know, they're not just... So the world is just tough, praise the Lord. The world is, is scary, right, naturally speaking. And that's beyond the natural things we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. You hear this news about your brother, or this thing about your parents, or this thing about your child, you know, just something. Or there's a pandemic, there's just this and that, just the normal things we deal with on a day-to-day basis. You know, so I understand if anybody, anyone is fearful or anyone is afraid in, in different measures, you understand, you know, just in dealing with all these things. I understand to some extent. You know, I understand if you are anxious, if you are suspicious, if, you know, because that's a natural, understandable response to this world that we live in. In fact, if you're a natural person on this earth, you must be afraid. Praise the Lord. So when God asks us, and he does this over hundred places, hundreds of places perhaps in the Bible, when he asks us to fear not, what is this saying? especially considering that we have good reason to fear. Is he saying, just stop fearing, just like that? No, because he actually knows that you can't. Amen? It's like when someone has offended you, and they say, don't be angry. 
you know, you've done something wrong, you've upset this person. And I said, no, you know, because he's like, am I supposed to just turn it off like a switch? Oh, okay, let me just turn the anger off and ah, I'm not smiling, I'm not happy. No, many times we don't, we don't work that way as human beings. You know, you acted like a jerk and you're telling me not to be angry, you understand? So it's the same way with fear. You know, many times you are afraid because of the things that are coming in from your five senses, the five windows, you know, you're afraid because you lost your job. The doctor just gave you bad news. You know, you just can't switch that off. So when God says, fear not, he knows that it's not possible, naturally speaking. You know, and that's why when he says fear not, it usually follows with the method to actually fear not. There's usually an enablement. He's not just saying it emptily like that. There's usually, it usually follows with how you would not fear not. Because you should, if you are just a participant on this earth. Praise the Lord. I hope that makes sense. You know, and that method that usually follows is fear not, usually involves focusing on him at that moment instead of the problem. And that would be a very key uh, theme in the rest of my, uh, what I'm saying, all right? It involves, it's not just saying fear not, it's saying fear not and look at this instead. Praise the Lord. Let's look, let's look at the verse quickly. Isaiah chapter 41. I'll be reading from verse 10. Isaiah chapter 41. <clears throat> so he says, fear, not, fear thou not. This is the KJV. And he didn't stop it. He says, for I am with thee. Praise God. So that is how you not fear. Not because you just won't fear. He's saying, don't fear. Why? Because I am with thee. So focus on me instead. Let me just read on. He says, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. That's why you won't be dismayed. Amen. Then he goes on to say, I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all the all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and be confounded. They shall be as nothing. And they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, and thou shalt not find them. And even them that contended with thee, they that war against thee shall be as nothing. And as a thing of nothing. For I, the Lord, thy God, will uphold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. They are saying the same thing. So he's saying, Fear not. Why? Because I will help you. Fear not, thou warm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. You know, just reassuring them. So that's how we do not fear. Not just by not fearing, we are not able to as human beings. We can't, all right, because of all these things. But it's by switching our focus. Fear not, because I am with thee. So you are now looking at God. Praise the Lord. You are now looking at me. So it's by focusing on God and his word, which he has said, that we are able to not fear. You know, in other words, I can say that the only way to refuse to fear is by viewing life through the lens of faith. Amen. What is faith? Simply, faith is simply believing what God has said. That's just a simple way. Amen. In spite of contrary circumstances. So things look this way, but I'm just going <laughs> to believe what God has said. And that's just simply faith. You know, so yeah, it's, a, it's a focused thing. You know, in fact, many people say fear and faith are very similar because it's the same energies. It's just about what you're focusing on. It's about what you are ruminating or what you're thinking about. What you are meditating on, amen. You know, if you 
believe in the problem more, you have more fear. You know, but if you believe in God's word, faith will spring up in your heart. Praise the Lord. So we can feed the problem by ruminating on it. Or we can feed, feed our faith by focusing on God's word. And you can't do both at the same time. Since they both use the same mind, mind faculties. Praise God. So if you're in fear, just simply focus on God's word instead of the problem. And faith builds up. I hope that's clear. Now let's just move on. So in other, in other words, we can say that faith is the answer to fear. It's always about our focus. What we are focusing on. Amen. And that's why, you know, two people can be going through the same circumstances, the same terrible circumstances. And one is in fear and the other is in faith. It's the same circumstance. It's the same stimulus in front of them. But one is fearful and one is erupting in faith. Praise the Lord. Let's look at the story. Um, it's a, fear, a fairly long story. Um, this is the story of Caleb and Joshua. I'm sure we all know it. I'll start from Numbers chapter 13. I'll read from verse 1 to 3. Then I'll jump to verse 17 just to save time. I'll read from the ASV. Amen. So from verse 1, Numbers chapter 13, it says, And Jehovah spoke unto Moses, saying, Send down men, that they may spy out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, even um, everyone a prince among them. And Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the commandments of Jehovah, all of them men who are the heads of children of Israel. So God asked Moses to send people, to send spies. I'm, not, I'm sure we know the story. Now let me jump to verse 17. So this is where Moses obeyed. He says, And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way by the south and go up into the hill country and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwell therein, whether they are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in. It's good. And well, it's fat or lean, whether there is wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was uh, the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob to the entrance of Hamath. Praise the Lord. So God just gave them that instruction. Just go and, go and look at this, um, this land. Amen. And Moses sent them. Now what was the result of their research? Let's read from verse 25 now. Let's skip a few verses. It says, And they returned from spying out the land at the end of 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel, unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We come, now listen closely, it says, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And it is the fruit of, of it. So it's a good land. Then they went on. They said, how be it? The people that dwell in that land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very great. And moreover, <laughs> I think this was a clincher. It says, and moreover, we saw the children of Amak there. Amalek, like, you know, and these are like giants, very huge human beings. Now, Amalek dwelleth in the land of the south, and the Etite, and the Jebusite, and the Amorites dwelleth in the hill country, and the Canaanite dwelleth by the sea, and along the side of Jordan. 
praise the Lord. So that's what they were saying. They said, oh, it's good, oh, that, you know, there is milk and honey there. However, these lands are strong, the cities are fortified, and moreover, you know, we saw the children of Anak there, which is like, um, just let's end this. When we see the children of Anak, you know, this is just a sign that let's just go back home. Now, here is what Caleb said. He says, and Caleb steals the people before Moses. That is, he said, calm down first. And said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had spied out unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature, that is, they are huge, they are giants. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Praise the Lord. So they looked at these things, they compared themselves and said, these guys are too huge, let's just not bother, you know, trying to capture this land, that we are grasshoppers. They were scared of the sons of Anak. They were afraid. They said they felt like grasshoppers. Praise the Lord. Now let's just move on to the next chapter. Um, chapter 14, reading from verse 1. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. And all the people and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would that we had died in, in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness? And therefore that Jehovah bring us unto these lands to fall by the sword. Our wives and our little ones will be a prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? They were, they were complaining, they were afraid. And they said unto one another, let us make a captain, let us return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who are of them that spied out the lands. So these are also two of the twelve who spied. Rent their clothes, and they speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If Jehovah, now look, look at his focus, it's on God. It says, If Jehovah delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Notice something that they never spoke about the stature of these people. They never spoke about the the walls, the fortification, all those things. All they have just seen is the good part. It says, if Jehovah delights in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it unto us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Now let's re read on. Only rebel, not against Jehovah, neither fear ye, the people of the land, for they are bread for us. How can they be bread? He said these people are, literally said that these people are men of great stature, but he says they are bread for us. Their defense is removed from over there, and Jehovah is with us. This is the big part. This is the most important, and Jehovah is with us. Fear them not. Praise the Lord. You know, but clearly this did not have any effect on the congregation because the next verses, for all, all the congregation bid stone them with stones, and the glory of Jehovah appeared in the tent of the meeting unto the children, all the children of Israel. Praise the Lord. So it's a very interesting read, just highlighting the focus I was talking about. So there's a question. Were Caleb and Joshua blind that they could not see the sheer size of the men of Anak, the Nephilim, 
Of course, they could see. You know, they could see them. But instead of focusing on the obstacle, they focused instead on God and his promises. And the moment they began to think like that, all the fear that they may have had just dissipated and was replaced by faith. Praise the Lord. You know, he said, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is removed from under them. And most especially, Jehovah is with us. Fear them not. And that is the basic principle. You know, if I end this session now, that will probably be fine. So that's the basic principle. It's just always about our focus. So is the world tough? You know, yes, it is. Are there challenges? Of course there are. You know, do we face scary, terrifying circumstances? We sure do. <laughs> Even Paul said it in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. He says, This know also, you know, that in the last days, very lost times shall come. So he's saying, you know, it's, don't, don't even, you know, this know also that in the last days, very lost times shall come, shall come. Praise God. So it's kind of expected. We face, we will face all these things, you know. But like Caleb and Joshua, we must ensure that our focus remains on his word. Praise God. You know, so what does this mean, practically speaking? Maybe you have financial problems. You know, instead of being crippled by those financial problems, you can focus on his word. Just search it out. You know, for example, just look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, and tell yourself, and my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, just keep doing that. You know, oh, this is what I choose to focus on. You know, there's a bill saying, oh, you're, you're owing this, there's this and that. Oh, my God shall supply all my needs. Praise the Lord. According to his riches in Christ Jesus. That's the way whatever fear you had will be replaced by faith. It's automatic. Praise the Lord. You know, you look at Psalm 23, for example. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You look at the different variations of the verses. You know, that's how you fight fear. Not by stopping to not fear. No, you can't. Praise God. That's why I said earlier, whenever God says fear not, he always gives, oh, fear not, but focus on this instead. Praise the Lord. You know, maybe you have health con a, a lingering health condition. Instead of filling your mind with, oh, what can go wrong? What's the end point of this? You can just find a scripture that addresses it and let that dominate your mind. Oh, by his stripes I am healed. Oh, I am the healed of God. You know, you just focus on that instead. And faith builds up. Praise the Lord. Or maybe you, you are, there is a decision, oh, do I travel to Australia or do I go to Canada or do I change careers or these things? You are confused. You know, instead of focusing on that confusion and saying I'm confused, no, just look at the word. You know, Psalm 32 verse 8, God will instruct me and teach me in the way that I should go. He will counsel me with his eye upon me. Praise the Lord. You know, you can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. It says, I have the mind of Christ. You know, I have a sound mind. I have self-control. You just say these things to yourself. You know, and gradually, you stop feeling confused about that situation. You stop feeling fearful about the unknown. Because faith is being built up. Praise the Lord. So the focus is always on God's word. Like Caleb and Joshua, we see the same circumstances, but we choose to focus on God and his word. You know, so at this moment, I'd like us to just practice this for a bit. Give us just a few minutes, you know, to practice. Just focus on the Lord. Take some time to pray. You know, whatever situation you are facing, say, I'm not going to give in to fear in this situation. I'm going to talk faith. You know, talk God's word. Just go ahead and pray. You know, 
ask him, you know, you know, for help. Just focus on his word, him and his word, uh, for the next few minutes. Go ahead and pray. So, so we must ensure that we do not accommodate faith. You know, how, how do we do this? You know, as we said earlier, I said it's by remaining in faith. So not being in fear is remaining in faith. So be out, you know, they're just, you can't do both at the same time. You know, and as I said earlier, it's, it's a focus issue. You know, so don't try to not be afraid. In fact, by doing that, that's just a recipe for failure. Oh, I won't be afraid, I won't be afraid. No, instead just be in faith. Instead just focus on God's word. You know, that one day you will search for that fear and you won't find it. You didn't, you didn't, you didn't um, stop the fear by not fearing, so to speak, only by just focusing on, you know, God's word. Praise the Lord. So we must be in faith and not fear. Matter of fact, it's not even a suggestion. You know, it's our only option. You know, because sometimes people think, think, think of it as, oh, it's a suggestion, it's a good idea, or it's a better way to do things. No, the Bible is very strong language explains that faith is the only way a believer lives. Is the only way a believer sees the world. You know, that's why the Bible says in so many parts of the um, New Testament, you know, beginning from even Habakkuk, you know, Romans 1, 17, Galatians 3, 11, Hebrews 10, 10, it says, all say the same, it says the just shall live by faith. That's how we live. Praise the Lord. That's how we must live. In faith, not in fear. So as I said, it's not a suggestion, it's a command that that's how we must live. No wonder Romans chapter 14 verse 23 says that whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Because that's our only option. So faith is how we live. When we are not in faith in any matter, we're in sin. You know, it says whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Praise the Lord. That means, by extension, if you've been following, that when we are in fear, we are literally in sin. Praise God. And that's why this, um, this topic is a serious topic. It's serious business. You know, we refuse to tolerate fear in our lives in any area, in any aspect, because it's sin, it's disobedience to God. Let's look at a verse of scripture quickly. Um, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. Revelation 21, verse 7. It says, It says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. This was one of the last chapters in the entire Bible, in the book of Revelation. It says, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, look at verse 8. It says, But be fearful. And unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their parts in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know, notice what it says, but be fearful and unbelieving. So, as bad as all these things, all these things, oh, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the liars, the idolaters. The one that God put first is the fearful. You know, most people would not think like that. You know, most people just think, you know, fear is just, you know, I'm just afraid now. What's the big deal? No, it's a, it's a sin. This is what the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable and the murderers. 
Therefore, number one, you know, if you read a certain version, Bible in basic English, it's how it says it. It says, but those who are full of fear and without faith, praise the Lord. You know, so it's a preeminent sin. You know, if you are full of fear and without faith, he says it's a gross sin. That's, that's, that was his point of emphasis, praise the Lord. You know, there are people who believe they're just naturally sinful. Oh, that's just how I am. You know, I've been like that for a long time. They think it's their natural disposition. You know, they're timid, they're paranoid, you know. You know, but what they don't know is that they're attracting demonic activity on their lives. They are living in sin. Praise the Lord. And what's more, I think that was not enough. Fear, you know, like most sins, attracts other sins as well. You know, it attracts, attracts, you know, negative, attracts, you know, demonic activity. Let's look at something in um, Mark chapter 14, just quickly, you know, just take a detour. Mark chapter 14 from verse 66. This was uh, after they had captured Jesus, you know, around the time of his crucifixion and all that. So he says, now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servants, of, um, seven girls of the high priest's king, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you were saying. Why did he deny? Because he was afraid. Praise God. You know, he denied it. He was afraid. Because if he had seen what they had done to his master, I was like, ah, maybe they'll do that to me as well. Amen. You know, saying, I neither know nor understand what they're saying. And then he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again, and began to say to those that stood by, this is one of them, but he denied it again. And a little later, <laughs> those who stood by said to Peter again, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear. Imagine, because of fear. You know, I do not know this man whom you speak. Then the second time the rooster crowed, and Peter called to the mind, uh, to mind the word which Jesus had said unto him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And then he thought about it and wept. Praise the Lord. Thank God he was able to be restored and all that, but it just shows how fear breeds other things. Praise the Lord. So we must be watchful. You know, we must be careful, we must be circumspect. Now let's begin to um, try to wrap this up. You know, I'll just say a few points um, um, about um, how we guard against fear. You know, I'll just mention a few practical tips, you know, that we pray on how we, we, we live. So the number one is by staying in God's word. You know, we've touched on this somewhat. Amen. We must stay in his word. That's the only, that's the number one way of guarding against fear. You know, we must think on what God has said about the situation, the specific situation, and watch as faith begins to well up. Amen. You know, I remember that this takes practice. You know, as we practice diverting our minds to the word of God, we become more skillful at it. You know, I always say something that as a, as a principle in general, spiritual things always get better with use. You know, the more you use it, the more you become more confident, the more you, the more you, you are skillful at it. You know, so you might be confronted with some challenging issue. You know, and you immediately feel fear. There's no need to deny that. You hear something, you know, you feel fear. Sometimes that happens. And that's okay. But the most important thing is that you don't stay there. Praise the Lord. You know, that's why the psalm is to say in Psalm 56, Psalm 56 verse 3, you know, it says, Praise the Lord. 
you know, when I am afraid, I'll put my trust in you. So you might feel fear. You hear something, you see something, you know, and initially you just have, but just don't stay there. You know, and it comes in practice. We stay in the world. You just remind yourself, ah, no, you know, what God says about that situation. You know, so at times you feel fear, you know, but um, you force yourself to recalibrate. You find your square root. You know, you find a scripture that tackles that issue and you keep your mind at it. You try to keep your mind at it. Praise the Lord. So the first way we guard against fear is by staying in the word. Amen. By staying in the word, remaining there. And even when you feel fear at the moment, you don't stay there. Don't linger there. Because it's a sin. It will attract other, other sins. It will attract demonic activity. What's the number two thing? By minding what you allow around you. Praise the Lord. You know, there's something about faith. It's also the same with fear. Because there are two, two ends of the same like spectrum. Faith is contagious, like just like fear. Fear is also contagious. You know, I was reading something <laughs> about how, you know, when you're in a crowd of people, and this is just science now, this is not even Bible, you know, you can easily, you can pick up the fear and panic of people around you. You know, it's, it, it, it happens. You can pick up on your neighbor's signals. You know, have you ever wondered why stampedes happen? You know, you know, maybe, for example, there's a concert or people are in a nightclub and it's quite crowded. Then all of a sudden there's a loudness or something. Maybe someone shoots. If you're in a, a place like America with very bad gun, gun culture, someone shoots or there's a fire. And then the first person panics and starts running. It starts, you know, it becomes hysterical, the screaming is running. You know, the people, people around pick up on that fear. Amen. And day to day, just start acting irrationally. Now, you know that in that auditorium that you're in, there are only four exits. And all of you can actually get out. The fire is still small. But because people are hysterical, they just start acting anyhow. Amen. You know, start acting anyhow. And everyone joins in that crowd and begins to scramble for safety. And then people get trampled. Amen. And then next day, you hear in the news that 20 people were killed in a stampede. And you're thinking, why? Are these not human beings? These are, you know, some of them may be like people who are intelligent and things like that. But the fear is contagious, you know, because that's what it does. It overwhelms you. It cripples you. It makes you not be able to think properly. That's why, you know, no wonder Jesus warned in Luke chapter 21, verse 26, you know, talking about the last days. He says, men's hearts will fail them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Men's hearts will cease to fail them. Praise the Lord. So fear cripples. It makes your heart fail you and it's contagious. So we must be very careful about allowing fear around us. It's dangerous. We must guard our hearts. You know, and that starts from, you know, being attentive to, for example, the kind of news we consume. Sometimes you look at a, a news headline and you already know what's going to be inside. You've seen the summary. Why are you trying to read the details? You know, you already have an idea that this article will most likely generate fear and panic. So why are you trying to read ah, exactly how it went? That's no need. So you're there, you're saying, hey, hey, ah, see how they dismembered that person's body. Ah, see how they, why? In this same Anambra state that we are, hey, the same Anambra that this is happening. You know, this is happening in the blood of Jesus. No, you don't, you don't need it. There is no need to, to look at all that. 
Praise the Lord. Just guard your heart. You know, one, <laughs> one underrated truth that I've discovered personally for several years now is how easily influenced we are as human beings, both for the positive and the negative. You know, how easily influenced. You may not know it, but you are very, very easily influenced. Extremely. I remember when I, um, shortly after being, um, um, you know, when I was a, a new believer in Christ, and then I would listen to tapes and sermons. I remember one of my, because that was the era before, you know, Blackberries and all these things. We didn't have like internet on our phones. This was like several years ago now. And I'll go to the cyber cafe, you know, and I'll just download. I still remember some of those websites, you know, some of these articles from all these Charles Spurgeon, all these old men. I'll put it on a flash drive and I'll put it, I'll go back home, put it in my computer and I'll just be reading their books, their stories, you know, and I'll just be inspired. I'll be like, this man did this at age 21. This man did this. You know, it just makes you feel very ashamed of your own work with God. Amen. You listen to some tapes, you hear about how they did this and that. It just makes you, it just makes you inspired. So when you are doing your own, when you are, you are praying for, you are waking up early and your roommate is wondering, ah, what's wrong with this guy? He doesn't know that you've been influenced. You're, you focus this on something else. Because you've seen something, you've seen that this is a human being like you and you're challenged. That's how, you know, um, I was, you know, that, that, that was my own experience. You know, your body was just a pinching, like you just, you can be inspired. Someone says something, how that they did this, or how that they've not had a headache in 30 something years, and like, ah, ah, this is a human being too. It inspires you in a positive direction because it stays in your mind. You'll be like, ah, this can be me too. This can be me too. How did you get there? How did you do it? You know, what did you, and then it will lead you to seek that sort of work with God too. Praise the Lord. So we can be inspired. That's in the positive direction. But in the same way, we can be inspired in the negative or we can be influenced in the negative if you open ourselves to negative information. That's why Paul warned us in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. He says, don't be deceived. He says, be not deceived. Evil communication corrupts good manners. Why did he say don't be deceived? Because you know some people think they're impervious. Some people think, oh, I can listen to this and it don't matter. It won't affect me. He says, don't be deceived. Don't deceive yourself. Evil communication corrupts good manners. If you stay long enough around evil communication, it will get to you. It's just a basic principle. You're not, you're not a rock. You're not impervious. You know, you know some, people, some people have been married. You know, you're married. You're satisfied with your spouse. You're fine. You know, until you go to work and then your colleagues are talking or your friends or you go to a nightclub or whatever it is. And your friends are talking about, ah, does your wife give you all her salary? And you say, no. I say, what? Are you not supposed to be the man of the house? Ah, that's wrong. Oh, eh, she's taking advantage of you. She... And then you begin to think about it too, with your big head. You were fine before, you were okay. But certain ruminating what they, on what they were saying. Ah, yeah, why doesn't she do this and that too? Then you go home and then you start a big fight. You know, or they say, ah, are you the one that goes to pick up the children from school? Ah, how come? That's the wife's job now. Ah, she has you in a tight grip. Oh, ah, then you start thinking about it. You are being influenced. You are being influenced. You know, you are sitting in the midst of evil communication. So what's my big point? You know, as I said earlier, you must be careful of the information, the things we allow around us. Be careful what we imbibe. You know, it's very easy, easy to impart 
fear by just people's statements around. So we must guard our hearts, praise the Lord. You know, so as I said, number one, stay in the word. Um, stay in the word, you know, build our faith, you know, as a way to tackle fear. Number two, we must be mindful of our surroundings, mindful of the things we allow through our five senses, you know, the things we imbibe. Finally, we must, we can pray. Prayer is also an antidote to fear. You know, I'm very, I'm just a very practical, pragmatic person. Sometimes we go through, you know, sometimes that, you know, we've said all these things, oh, um, you stay in faith, you this thing, you look at the word, the scriptures and all that. But sometimes you go through some very dire circumstances. Maybe you hear some unexpected news or they give you an unexpected sack letter or something. And you are shaking. You are shaking because you're a human being. You know, a million thoughts go through your mind. Ah, maybe you are, you are the breadwinner of the home. You are thinking, so how do I pay for rent this month? How do I pay for my child's daycare? You know, maybe you even try to confess scriptures, but your mind is in disarray. You can't even think straight. And that's normal. At those points, you can just pray. Praise God. And the Holy Spirit will bear you up. Or feelingly. He will bear you up. You can just pray in the Spirit. When you have no words, you can pray. Praise God. The Bible says when we pray in the Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit helps our infirmities. That is, He helps our weakness. It gives us words, you know, groanings which cannot be uttered. It helps our weakness. So we can just pray. You know, when there are things happen, you've tried everything, you can pray. That's another way to take care of fear. Praise the Lord. You know, something happened, you know, as we begin to close, I just narrate this. Something happened in the early church to the leaders of the early church, the first church in the book of Acts. You find the story in Acts chapter 12 from verse 1. You know, at this point, Disciples have been going through serious, crazy persecution. You know, let's read from, let's start from verse 1, I'll read from verse 1 to 4 from the NLC. So it says, about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had Apostle James, that is John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. That is four times four, that's 16. Four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover, praise the Lord. So things were really bad. This was, he wanted to use Peter as a case study. He wanted to use it to to, to prove a point. He says when he saw that it uh, pleased Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. So this is not just a normal arrest, maybe by the soldiers of the day. It was like, <laughs> this is Herod himself wants to, when you're in that kind of situation, there's no hope for you. There's no hope for you. You know, and <laughs> in addition to they said, there must be four rotations of four guards each, guarding him until after the Passover, praise the Lord. So it was an impossible situation. It was a dire situation. It was as scary as they come. So I'm sure the, the early church leaders must have been very scared too. But let's read what happened. Let's read from verse 4 now to verse 8. It says, then he imprisoned them, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers. Praise God. And um, each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. 
But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed earnestly for him. Praise the Lord. The KJV has it as something like, I think prayer, I think prayer continued on their behalf or something like that. Since the church prayed earnestly, you know, let's read on the night before Peter was placed in jail, he was asleep, fasting by with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel stuck him in the side to awake him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. And then the angels told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. The angel ordered. And they were saved. Praise God. So that's what happens. Sometimes it's so bad, you just pray. Never despise prayer. You know, never despise it. It's the purest and most potent tool we have at our disposal. If you pray for five minutes, it's better than if you have not prayed at all. If you pray for 30 minutes, even better. If you pray for one hour, oh my goodness. Prayer is a supernatural truth. Supernatural truth um, tool, sorry. It cuts through time and space. It makes us sharp. It gives us clarity, gives us solutions. Even if you don't have immediate solution, it gives you confidence. And it dissipates and quenches fear. Praise the Lord. So never despise prayer. At this point, I'll just ask us to take some time to pray. Earnestly, fervently, sincerely. You know, it's actually the best thing you can do for the next few minutes. Go ahead and pray.